0: Hello folks, I'm Joel Van Hoogen and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is supported by your gifts, but it's brought to you out of the heart of two ministries. One is Church Partnership Evangelism, where I'm the Executive Director and have been for over 30 years. To learn more about us, go to traincpe.org. The other sponsoring ministry is the Bread of Life Fellowship, where I'm the Bible teacher. We meet in the Old White Church in the Warm Springs area of Boise for worship every Sunday at 11 a.m., Today we finish our last message on Naaman from 2 Kings chapter 5. This foreigner has been saved by God, he's been changed by God. He knows very little about this newfound faith in God, but he does know that he will worship this God alone and he does desire to live before God and be seen by him at all times. This desire of Naaman's is in contrast to the servant of Elisha, Gehazi. Gehazi has been exposed to much truth, and knows it all, knows it well, and yet wants to remain hidden from God and not seen. We must conclude as a result that Gehazi has never truly believed what he knew and so remains at heart unsaved and unchanged, or we must conclude that Gehazi has lost his first love and turned in spirit from the joy that is found in being in God's presence, in which case this man needs to repent and return to his first love. There are three options for you a changed man like Naaman or unchanged like Gehazi or cold-hearted like Gehazi? Which are you? Let's decide today. Gehazi wants the reward that Elisha has turned down. He wants it. He sees that, he thinks to himself, Elisha has missed his opportunity. I don't know what Elisha was doing. That was crazy. We can use these things. He has accompanied Elisha through much of his ministry. He has seen the miracles that Elisha has performed and he's heard over and over again the instruction from God's word and God's lips that Elisha has delivered to the people of Israel. He's found himself in the midst of the crowd appearing to consent to all that's happened and to affirm all that's happened and by his presence to affirm it as something that he believes himself. He has presented himself as a follower of the God of Israel and as a co-laborer in the service of that God along with Elisha. We actually first met Gehazi when the Shunammite woman's son had died, and she's trying to make her way to Elisha to see if Elisha could have an answer. And, and what we find is Gehazi is trying to resist and turn the woman back from going to Elisha. In that same story, Elisha sends Gehazi on to take Elisha's own staff and to touch the child, see that the child might rise again, and Gehazi goes there and the child doesn't respond. The child is dead and he doesn't rise from the touch of that staff. Now, in this passage, we begin to understand why Gehazi lacked wisdom and power in life and ministry. Gehazi goes to Naaman with a lie. Elisha is seeking gifts from you to give to two needy sons of the prophets. Naaman is generous. Naaman is wanting still. He's filled with this joy and delight in what he has received himself. Gehazi seeks to get a reward from Naaman, and Gehazi succeeds. He hides the gifts. Two talents of silver and two bags, two changes of garments. And then he returns to his accustomed position before Elisha, where he might continue to affirm by his presence that he believes all that Elisha is teaching, that he goes along with all the words of the prophet. He's there as a testimony to his faith. Elisha asks him, where did you go with Gehazi? Uh, where have you been, Gehazi? And Gehazi answers, I didn't go anywhere. Verses 26 and 27 of chapter five of 2 Kings. Elisha says this, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it time to receive money and receive clothing and olive groves and vineyards and sheep and oxen and male and female servants? By the way, the answer to that is no. You know when uh, pastors have gone through and they've served the Lord for 30 years and they're tired and they think, you know what, This is getting hard and difficult, and I I think it's time now to to retire to some nice place of retreat and think about my retirement and, you know, provide for myself. Happens a lot. You know, the very few of us that start off in ministry and make it past, say, 30 years, somewhere along the line, they've gone on to something else to provide for themselves. They're real estate brokers, or they're providing, uh, you know, um, advice on money management, or you name it, right? And I'm, I'm not entirely criticizing my brothers who have done that. There are external experiences they've gone through that are difficult, and God may have at times led them there, but if they're going there as a temptation to find a reward for the end of their service, for an easy life, the answer is no. This is not the time to do that. It's to be faithful unto the end of what God has given you to do. Is it time to receive money and receive clothing, olive groves, vineyards, sheep and oxen, and male and female servants? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And then we read, and Gehazi went out from his presence, leprous, as white as snow. One leper, Naaman, seen and known of God and cleansed. One assumed follower and servant of the living God, Gehazi, seen and known and departing as a leper himself. Such a turn in the story. Gehazi had heard so much He had learned so much. He had been present so often during the teaching and declaration of God's word. And yet Gehazi was false to himself and to others. He seems to have not believingly but testingly asked the same question that Naaman had asked but with a different answer. Does God see? Does God know? Does God see? Does God know? Maybe actually he had not even given a thought to it whether God saw or whether God didn't see was not actually a care or a thought in his mind or maybe he with theological precision knew that God saw everything and with theological precision knew and was convinced and could pass the test that God heard everything and knew his inmost thoughts and he could tell himself and he could tell others just that thing but the truth was not living in him and so he was as the scriptures warn of those in the last days an individual who was ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. He was present, but he was not accounted for. The words of Elisha, through the Spirit of God, had not pierced any deeper into Gehazi's heart than to offer an occasional thrill to his soul. He was there and he heard it all. He said amen. He bowed at the right times. He lifted his head at the right times. He he was in wonder and awe as everybody else, but the word did not go deep. Did not penetrate by the power of God into his heart to challenge him, his sin and change and transform him. And so he failed to grasp that God really saw him and that God truly knew what was in his heart and that these things mattered. They mattered. In the book of Ezekiel, and I can't remember which chapter it is in Ezekiel laments that those who come to hear him speak and hear him teach and hear what he has to say, receive his words just like colorful songs of a romance song, just like a minstrel singing interesting words that move the heart but it doesn't penetrate into their souls. I was thinking about that the other day. There are some of us who might craft sermons and write our sermons in love. I do. I love words. I like the way they're written. I like them to sound good and come good to the ear. And I hope that they will make their point as a result, but it's possible that a person can love writing all the right words and he might even embellish himself in the language of our salvation, right? But it's only a song sung by a minstrel. It's only a romanticizing of God's truth, but it isn't transforming the life. The present but they're unaccounted for before the Word of God. That's what's happening with Ghazazi here. That's what happens so oftentimes. You could spend your life attending church services, and being a part of a movement, and never be truly moved by God. Never be impacted by His Word to be changed and transformed. And it's real and it's genuine. And it, it happened there before Elisha. It can happen here. It can happen anywhere. What was a comfort to Naaman is now a curse for Gehazi. Naaman knew so little of the truth, but what he knew he openly received and it changed him. Gehazi knew so much of it, but fiddled away with it unimpacted and unchanged, and so he left exposed in the leprosy of his own sin. Think about this for a moment. It was God's grace that let leprosy form on the brow of Naaman. It was God's grace that let this leprosy show up on his life. He saw that he wasn't perfect. He saw his own sin. He couldn't ignore it. He saw it, and it, it forced him to seek and find God's healing and God's answer. And Naaman heard the words of a little saved girl who was saying that there was power with the God of Israel to heal him, and it led him to go to Israel and find the place and find the one who would direct him how God might bring healing to his life, and ultimately it led him to profess that God was God alone and that he would worship him only. And it was God's grace to let leprosy show up upon his life. It's God's grace now that lets leprosy show up in the life of Gehazi. We can only pray that as a result, Gehazi will seek and find what Naaman found from afar and what he had missed while so close. It's God's grace that exposes your sin in your life with a telling blow. Not so you can wrap yourself back up in your theology. Not so you can go back and find the next place where you can genuflect and get amidst the crowd again to assure yourself. But so that you can see what God sees and know for a moment what God knows about you. Confess it. And drawing upon Jesus as never before, you are seen and known of God. And that reality when it dawns on you with force from the spirit of God, will come to you either as a great comfort as it did for Naaman, the changed man, or as an exposure to judgment as it did for Gehazi, the religious man. Either way, here's what you should pray. God, give me that revelation. May it lead you to take what God freely gives. And then knowing that you're seen and known, to take it again and again and again. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. How easy it is to slip into places of occupation and where we occupy a position, where we occupy an understanding before others that, oh God, is not true to what you see and what you know and what you understand about us. We thank you for the flashing sword of the Holy Spirit that divides between the soul and the spirit, the bone and the marrow that reveals the deep need in our life and exposes the treachery of sin within us and our own deceitful self-propaganda. God, in this day and age in the church, what is so desperately needed is an encounter with the living God that your spirit would unmask and unfold these things before others. We um, thank you, oddly enough, for the failings and the sufferings for individuals who wander away from the church, for those whose sin is exposed in their behavior. We ask, dear God, that you might not give any of them some fix of just restating their doctrinal positions, some fix of just returning to some house of worship where they might lift their hands up for another round of chorus and praise. We pray instead, O God, let the leprosy recite upon them until they cast themselves before you and cry out to you with desperation that you might meet them as sinners and lepers and might make them whole and clean by your gift of grace. And so, O God, let grace triumph now and ongoing in their lives and our lives. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. It is our desire that these messages might impact you in drawing you into a robust faith in Jesus Christ only. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this message, just go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, May the Lord bless you.